Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. Skype, as usual, I hate you very much. It is the 19th day of November 2013, and I will be live here for the next hour or so. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, all of you that make me a part of your Tuesday and Thursday night. I really do appreciate it. Much love to you out there. It is the People's Show, just to let you know. So if you want to call in... Weigh in on anything that I'm going to be talking about tonight. I'm going to get into the Obamacare debacle. Shocker that um, that this uh, government rollout was um, hmm, less than stellar, shall we say. I'm also going to get into the Hegelian dialectic and what that really means and how it pertains to Obamacare. Um, we've got a bunch of other news coming out now. Um, the TSA is rolling out their new... Um, Safety measures, which of course entails locking you in a box for a few moments and then letting you pass through and um, got some audio from that. Also have some audio from one of the gentlemen working on the website today, courtesy of a, of a representative grilling him on how ready Obamacare is for launch and looks like we're about 60 or 70% right now. So that's... um a good deal. As Al Gore would say, NAFTA and GATT is a good deal, Larry, and globalization is awesome, and a couple of other things to talk about here. We do have um, also the Bitcoin explosion, which is fantastic to see something uh, alternative to the Federal Reserve note, the fiat-controlled uh, global banking cartel's stranglehold on our monetary system. So we're going to get into that, and um, also, I'm going to get into some some history news as well, uh, some new late-breaking history news talking about we might want to look at rewriting the history books on civilization. Are you trying to tell me that everything I learned in my government training facility is not what the history of the world is? I find that hard to believe that, that the Rockefeller Foundation actually funded the majority of the history books that we have now, especially for World War One and World War Two, but that's a side issue, everybody, because you would actually have to read and understand and know something other than football scores to understand that you have been manipulated for a very, very long time. And as the conscious awakening happens in humanity, we are going to start holding these people accountable. Now, some say that this J.P. Morgan debacle and you know having them shell out. I think it's um, 15 billion now. Let me see what the actual headline reads. Oh, 13 billion is the uh, the official number. Having them shell out 13 bill is um, that's retribution for actually almost crashing the global economy and you know selling people a bunch of junk and ripping people's homes away from them and selling them stuff that they know they're never going to be able to get in just because you want to make some cash. I've been sending emails back and forth about how funny it is that people are actually buying this crap. Ha, ha, ha. That's great. Once again, 
Nobody gets in trouble. Nobody gets arrested. And everything just moves along. Business as usual on Wall Street and the corrupt U.S. government just kind of rolling right along, you know, having their periods of um, – what would we say? What would be a good word here? Periods of what looks like the persecution of the banks, but it never comes to fruition. Once again, they're too big to fail, and they're also too big to jail. So – and we got that coming up as well. So let's get to our first clip here. Oh, also, um, New York City is going to make it um, illegal for anybody under the age of 21 to smoke cigarettes. That's awesome because people never break the law. That never happens. I mean, you commit three felonies a day just by opening up your door and going outside, mostly done in transactions. But, you know, once again, that's a side issue as well. We're here to keep you safe and to tell you what to do. So I am going to talk about the nanny state as well. Going to get into a bunch of different things here. I've got some friends of mine that might be calling in later on in the show to give their take on the situation at hand. But, you know, it is the people's show. If you feel like joining the conversation tonight, the number to call in, if you are in America, 602-753-1916. And just because I never promote it, please go and like my YouTube channel. It might take you 30, 45 seconds. We are not cattle TV. Subscribe. Let me feel loved for a little bit. I'm also going to have a new segment coming out in the next couple of – probably in the next couple of days entitled From the Pasture. And this is going to be about a two- or three-minute ranting segment of myself to inform the population of things that the mainstream media isn't covering, like the Trans-Pacific Partnership, private prison systems, things like that that should really be a discussion point for us here in America as we slowly see our civil liberties being eroded by the people in their pearly gates up in Washington, D.C., with no regard for how we care about the situation, because as of late, we are just the serfs in their kleptocratic conquest of America. So that being said, let's move to a um, to our first audio clip here, and uh, that will also give me an opportunity to go and get my drink that I had to leave in the other room because I was rushing around in here. I was having a nice conversation with my cousin. It was um, fascinating people that um, people that have actually um, you know read a bunch of history and, and, and understand and, and like talking about certain um, aspects of the world and string theory and stuff. So always fun to, to go off on little tangents. And uh, I do have some uh, humor for you guys towards the end here as well. So stay with me. I'm going to um, actually try to pull up the newly put under clip. Let's see if I can find it. Sorry, guys. It's been um, welcome to live radio, right? Can't have dead air, but... I will sure as heck try. So here is the Obamacare clip where the gentleman in charge of the protocols, and he does a good job sidestepping for the most part. This guy is obviously a corporate bigwig, you know, talking about how we can just fix it. And then I'll get into the Hegelian dialectic after this with the um, synthesis or the uh, antithesis, the the, um, thesis, the antithesis, and then the synthesis. That's really tough to say, and I haven't even had any alcohol. That's pretty impressive that I still can't even say it dead sober. But uh, anyway, enjoy the clip, everybody. Once again, thanks for tuning in. Um, You can also, if you want to spread the message and spread the love on the We Are Not Cattle Network, 
You can also download this podcast via iTunes. You can download it via Stitcher and listen to it via Stitcher. Or you can just go to the website, wearenotcattle.net, where it has all the archives there. And once again, um, please go and like my YouTube channel. It makes me feel very, very good. So enjoy, everybody. I'll be back in about five minutes after this clip's done. Minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, Mr. Chow, for your, your time before the committee today. Uh, last week, the President met with uh, several representatives of the insurance industry to discuss uh, solutions that may be possible in light of the healthcare.gov debacle. Uh, have you had any conversations about changes you can make to healthcare.gov to assist the insurance industry? I, I think part of the strategy, I, I haven't spoken to the issuers myself um, or been part of those meetings, um, but I think that as part of the strategy under Jeff Zients is to improve the experience um, of, of consumers, but that involves uh, you know, key uh, third parties that are also uh, key to this equation of getting enrolled, and those are agents and brokers, and working with issuers to uh, fix uh, you know, certain aspects of the systems to uh, make it work better. So have you had any discussions then about providing insurance companies with the ability to directly enroll? or anybody in your agency uh, department? We, we, we had uh, designed a, uh, something called direct enrollment into uh, healthcare.gov or part of that uh, FFM system architecture to accommodate that. And so that's ready. It, it, that feature has been turned on or has not been turned on? Uh, it, it was not working well in the initially, uh, like many other things, but uh, we have been uh, performing fixes and optimizing it and working with issuers to uh, get direct enrollment up. So have you had any discussions about giving insurers direct access to information on eligibility for subsidies? Uh, only at, as in terms of the result. Uh, there is a series of so that's a, uh, security that's a, a you know, yes. handoffs. Right? That's a yes then? Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. Do you, going back to the question, the, the feature on the website, will, will that happen in the future then to that question, um, discussions about giving insurers direct access to information on eligibility for subsidies, do you believe that will happen in the future? It's not really direct access. It's uh, more of a handoff, uh, a secure handoff in which they've collected enough information about the applicant and their, you know, or an agent and broker, and this person has given authorization for uh, uh, for consent to work with them as a third party. So that's a yes then again as well? Uh, it's not access direct to eligibility data. It, it, is, a, it is a more um, involved process that protects the person's information. But they'll be getting the, the insurance company will be getting the subsidy access. Uh, they don't get to calculate it. We, uh, that's, that is a marketplace but function. But they'll have information on eligibility for the subsidies. Uh, only as a result of the marketplace handling that data, not, uh, not touching that eligibility data themselves. When uh, the, the committee's been reviewing materials, it indicates that some parts of healthcare.gov were not completed before the launch, as we've discussed here. What portion or percentage of the website remained to be created when you launched on October 1st? Um, I don't have an exact percentage. Um, I think uh, some of previous conversations when people ask about whether things were complete, uh, I look at it in terms of overall marketplace systems. Uh, so you've never talked about what's complete, what's not complete, whether it's how much I think much there was a go. set of priority functions that needed to be in place. Like, for example, you had to um, authenticate an individual. That's a key function that had well, to be. Well, how much do we have to build today still? I mean, what do we need to build? 50%, 40%, 30%? I think it's uh, just an approximation. Uh, we're probably sitting somewhere between 60 and 70 percent because we still have to build but the system. 60 or 70 percent that needs to be built still? Because we still have to build the payment systems uh, to make payments to issuers so, in January. Let me get this correct. 60 to 70 percent of healthcare.gov still needs to be built. 
it's not really care.gov. It's the federally facilitated marketplace. But the entire, the entire system that the American people are being required to rely upon. That part is 70%. There. healthcare.gov, the online application, verification, determination, plan compare, enro getting enrolled, uh, generating enrollment transaction, that's 100% there. What I'm talking but about the entire is, system is 60 to 70% away from being complete. Yeah, there, there's the, uh, the back office systems, the accounting systems, the thank payment you, systems, they still need to be. Um, how, of those 60 to 70% of systems that are still being built, how are they going to be tested? Uh, you mean the remaining 30 yes. to 40 percent? Um, how are they going to be tested? Yes. Uh, in the same exact manner we tested everything else. Is it difficult to review the new parts of the website while it's operating? It won't affect the front end, uh, the front part. But that's pretty difficult, isn't it? Excuse me? It's pretty difficult to, to review it while it's in operation, correct? No, it doesn't involve the front part. The, right, the but it's where it's operating within. When we're trying to calculate a payment, derive a payment, uh, do data matches on the back end. That doesn't affect the healthcare.gov operations. How long will you have to test those parts that you're building? Uh, they're on an ongoing basis. depends on their build schedule. So hmm. is it appropriate, given the performance of, of healthcare.gov where we're at right now, to launch any new applications or features without testing them heavily before they go live? Uh, we, we are testing. Hmm. Mr. That's Chairman, nice. I have several other questions, and we'll follow up with you, but thank you for your time. Oh, there you we go. Thank you, Mr. Well, Chairman. And so, yeah, we're almost there, everybody. Just wait. Okay, so the Hegelian dialectic, everyone. Now just kind of transitioning into, um, into that, which would be the synthesis, or excuse me, the thesis, the antithesis, and then the synthesis at the end. The thesis would be, we're going to provide you Obamacare. Now, what is Obamacare? Well, it's, you know, it's a, um, you know, it's just a website is all it is. Remember, that's what the lowest common denominator that Barack Obama brought out in his speech is that the website is, uh, is good. The website is, um, is doing well. And um, here, I'll actually, um, I'll actually play it for you. I got so many Obama clips in here. I don't know where to begin. I think this is it here. So... Forgive me, guys. If this is not it, then um, don't uh, don't throw stones at me. I'm trying to just do the best we can here. We, the people, chose to do these things together because we know this country cannot accomplish great things if we pursue nothing greater than our own individual ambition. Unfortunately, you've grown up hearing voices that incessantly warn of government as nothing more than some separate sinister entity that's at the root of all our problems. Damn, he's listening to my show. Some of these same voices, voices also do their best to gum up the works. Yeah. They'll warn that tyranny's always lurking just around the corner. Hmm. Yeah. You should reject these voices. Absolutely. You because what they it. suggest is that our brave and creative and unique experiment in self-rule is somehow just a sham with which we can't be trusted. We have never been a people who place all of our faith in government to solve our problems. We shouldn't want to. But we don't think the government is the source of all our problems either. Because we understand that this democracy is ours. And as citizens, we understand that it's not about what America can do for us. It's about what can be done by us together. 
through the hard and frustrating but absolutely necessary work of self-government. And class of 2013, you have to be involved in that process. All right, sorry about that, everybody. That was kind of pertinent as well, you know. Once again, they're just we're just trying to gum up the works is all we're trying to do. Actually, we're we're really just trying to get a get a handle on what's going on in our nation, buddy. Trying to get a handle on this stuff. So, you um you basically have a a product which Obama pushed and the Democratic Party pushed, but once again, it was based off of Republican legislation. So. Typically, never the best idea to have something that's based off a of Republican and then passed by Democrats, which will make you want to just go ahead and think about that for a moment. But um, anyway, moving forward, so Obamacare is the is the um, is the thesis. The antithesis is the fact that um, the Obamacare will not work the way that it's supposed to work because it's not designed to work. Everybody. Obamacare was not designed to give you free health care. It was not designed to lower health costs. It was not designed to do any of those things. It was designed in order to get you to become more dependent. And I know that that sounds like a right-wing talking point, but it's just the truth. It's just how government controllers work. It's how these institutions work. So, once again, the synthesis that they were trying to get would be more control to the executive branch. Now, when I say that, it sounds like I'm just coming out of left field with that. But if you look at the documents and you do the research of people like Barry Goldwater, of people that blew the whistle on the Council on Foreign Relations back in the 1970s, they specifically said in the next 40 to 50 years that there will be an ultimate transfer away from Congress and the Senate into the power of the executive branch. That is documented in the congressional records, so go look it up. Now, why do I use Obamacare as an example? Because if you create something that doesn't work, and then you have the executive come out and say, I need more power to fix it, just let me do it, then it becomes a ownership issue for the executive branch, which it's legislation, and remember, it's a tax as well. So that would be Obama levying taxes. So look at every different angle that you can. So that would be the executive by himself outside of Congress with executive orders. And don't believe those people that wrote you know, all over these – I can't stand these right-wing blogs that say Obama's passed over 900 executive orders. It's not correct. He's passed less than 200. So if we're going to have a conversation, if we're going to talk about this president, if we're going to talk about things that really matter, the real issues, you have to have the facts. And going around and reciting talking points is not the facts. Do I like what's going on in my nation? Absolutely not, because I would like to see it go the complete opposite direction because I believe in self-ownership and I believe in the individual and I believe in the power of the collective individual, not the collective as a whole in that we all got to sacrifice in order for the greater good, which is a New World Order touted philosophy that goes on and gets propagated through everybody to say for the greater good. Well, we dumb you down for the greater good. We give you these trinkets and these baubles for the greater good. It's not for the greater good. It's for control, and that's all it is. So 
The synthesis that they were trying to get would be more power to the executive branch. Now, it has utterly failed. So what do we have now? We have a society that really does look at the executive branch as somebody that can actually do something. And what I mean by that is that they have come out of this specific regions, let's say um, Mexico is an example, and other nations around the world where they do have a traditional one-figure-headed leader and that the power of the people is actually done under by the executive leader. And of course he's elected, but then again – there's not a lot of checks and balances around the country because most of these nations are corrupt. And now welcome to America because America has become corrupt as well. So where am I going with all of this? Well, the process of immigration, first of all, let me explain my point on what I think is absolutely ludicrous, and that is um, uh, borders in general because it just gives power to the state. And I believe that just um, as my friend Josh and I were talking um, I think it was a week or so ago that that's one thing that I do agree with um, from reading. Um, oh my gosh, I just lost his just lost his name. But um, reading not tragedy and hope, but reading. Um, oh gosh, it'll come to me in a second. But um, reading other these globalist publications and the fact that they want to do away with borders and have an open border system, which you know, in order for humanity to advance and become a one-world planetary system, then we're eventually going to have to do away with this stuff. I don't like the avenue that they're taking in the fact that they're going to use um, corporate law outside of government, which is, you know, through the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the Transatlantic Partnership, all of these other trade deals to circumvent, you know, putting it out in front of in front of the people and letting the people have a debate. It is, um, it's truly, it's it's truly remarkable. So that being said, I don't agree with having borders. But then again, we have to play within the rules that are set out in front of us currently. And if you don't like the rules, do things to change the rules. And here's where I get into a big tizzy because people that come from other nations typically haven't been – and I don't mean this in an arrogant way – but they haven't experienced a an American, I guess, ideology or an American sense of freedom. They typically come from repressed countries, and they come here to escape, you know, the the total oppression of the either monarchy or the the controlling ruling class. So here is an article that actually takes place right here in my home state of Georgia. And it is involved illegal immigrants blockade Atlanta office to halt deportations. And I'm just going to read about half of this article and then expound on it a little bit because this really does come to my point of why people are looking towards the president to do something outside of Congress instead of going through the proper channels. Once again, do I think that the system is perfect? Absolutely not. But once again, we can't just keep passing laws willy-nilly just because it feels good and it feels like it's the right thing to do. So here's what the, um, here's what the article reads. Illegal immigrants blockade a federal office that handles deportations in Atlanta Tuesday morning. And soon after, a group of 12 illegal immigrants in Chicago chained themselves to the wheels of a bus they say that was headed to the airport to finish deporting people. This moves um, this moves marked at the latest the latest escalation in the campaign by activists to pressure 
President Obama to use his executive authority, which is null and void, this is ridiculous, to stop almost all deportations. They argue that he's targeting rank-and-file illegal immigrants rather than those with criminal records. The activists targeted in Chicago's uh, on targeted the Chicago bus in part because it had two high-profile immigrants that were subject to an effort to halt their deportation. Octavo Vaba Cabrera, who has put in the deportation proceedings after being arrested in a traffic stop, and Brisco um, Atco Lewis, whose activist said that has two citizens that are daughters. Yeah, according to the Fourteenth Amendment. If you have two, if you have kids here, then those kids are citizens, and you still aren't. It says last week, President the Obama administration said it would allow illegal immigrants, relatives of U.S. troops and veterans, to apply for payroll in place, which would allow them to remain in the country. And the activists said Tuesday they want the same consideration for all illegal immigrants. So, and it, and it just goes on. So once again, this is. People that don't understand the system that they live in, and I, I understand that it's not fair to you currently, and that makes it bad and that makes it wrong, but it doesn't mean that you get to circumvent Congress and circumvent the law that we live under. Once again, if we just keep going and giving the executive the power to do whatever he wants, you're not going to like the result. I don't care if Obama's a great guy. I don't even care if he's an angel. You do not want people to have unchecked power. It never turns out well, no matter which historical reference you would like for me to use. If you give the executive branch, which is supposed to have the least amount of power over all of the branches, more and more power, like they said in the 1970s, that they were going to try to do under the Council on Foreign Relations and all of these other you know, organizations that are outside of law. They're not quote-unquote conspiracies because they're public. So that doesn't make them a conspiracy. A conspiracy has to be secret. They have to meet in secret, and their documents have to be secret. The Bilderberg Group was a conspiracy, but currently it is not because it has been out in the open and the lists are made public, even though the lists are not made public by the attendees. The notes of which and the meetings of which are still not made public, so there you go. But what I'm trying to get at here is that when you have people that abuse authority, like Mayor Bloomberg from New York and President Obama using the – Using the website being down as an excuse not to go to um, to go and, and honor Lincoln today, it's kind of interesting to see how everybody in the country reacts. Now, everybody has their points that they want to get across, and everybody's got their hot button issues. Whether it's a um, if you're from a liberal mindset, not a classical liberal, but the modern day liberal mindset, you would say that. Um, that, that more regulation on the banking system is probably a big priority. You would also state that um, gay rights is a big priority. You would probably align yourself, and just being generalizations here, probably align yourself with a pro-choice group and, and things like that. And then you have the immigration crowd, which which wants to be legalized, which is fine. I don't care if they legalize these people, but let's go through the proper process. 
You know, it's very, very odd to see what's going on in this nation where the people that were, you know, just lucky enough to be born inside of the imaginary lines driven, you know, drawn on paper by politicians have such an arrogant way of going about their day-to-day life. I'm here to try to change the paradigm. I'm trying to change your thinking in the fact that we need to be tackling bigger issues right now. Immigration is a huge issue, absolutely. Would that tax money do us some good? Sure, it would do us some good. That's probably why the Chamber of Commerce lobby so hard for it. But once again, you don't just say, let the president do it. That's not what the president's there for. That is not what it's there for. You know, you have to go through the process. I would be more worried about things like the militarization of police. I am more worried about things like Naked body scanners. I'm also going to talk about the Xbox One at the very end of the show, which is a, a nice little gift in there for you in case you, haven't, in case you haven't heard about it. So there are big issues. Trans-Pacific partnerships are big issues, you know, issues that would circumvent Congress and rule of law and give corporations the power to control the Internet, regulate what you can see, what you can do, how you can share information – a complete and utter overhaul of the internet, and most people don't even care because it's a lot more fun to sit there and demonize somebody and grab your little party flag and wave it, wave it, wave it, and say, we need our rights, we need these rights. Well, let me give you guys a little hint. If the Trans-Pacific Partnership doesn't pass, all of your rights are screwed, okay? Because Barack Obama announced already this year that international treaties supersede the Constitution, I'm letting that sink in. That was a pause for effect, everybody. So that's what we're dealing with here. So if you want to look at it from that perspective, please take a a larger perspective and, and understand that we're not really run by Congress anymore here in this country. We're run by mega corporations and mega banks. It's not it's not socialism, it's fascism. Now, there's two different ways to define those two terms, and go look them up for yourself, and I'm sure that you'll understand that what we're dealing with is fascism. And that's corporate control of government, not government controlling corporations. That's the exact, that's socialism. So anyway, moving on to the fun stuff. Let's talk about my favorite group of people, the TSA. Now, um, interestingly enough, the TSA has some new security precautions for everybody to keep you safe from the terrorists that they've never stopped or that they've, you know, or the people that they've had a nice little run-in with or whatever. I mean, can we please have a discussion and a debate about the TSA? I understand it's very very sad that um, the gentleman was actually shot in the um you know, in the, in the airport at LAX, and that's very, very sad. So, you know, we're dealing with a lot of different prongs here when we're talking about the TSA. And I am actually looking for the, um, for the clip here, so you guys just bear with me. Um, but it's, it's the new procedures that they're going to have that make it look like slave training. It really does look like slave training, and if you see the video that I can, um, I'll post on the web that goes along with this podcast, you will see what I'm talking about. It literally looks like something out of uh, Total Recall. So get ready, everybody. Not only do you get to have your naked body image imported if you want, or you can you know, back out of that and go to the, uh, to the grope down 
which I've had the unpleasant experience of having, all of which to keep you safe of a al-Qaeda threat that your government funds and runs and that was created by the government and um, – or actually created by the CIA. Excuse me. Not created by the government. It was created by the CIA just like the Mujahideen was and all these other terrorist groups are created by, um, by central intelligence agencies and intelligence agencies all over the world to go around and radicalize and terrorize people so that they can take more of your rights. It's very simple. Yeah. After yeah. people get Enjoy off the it. plane, the new airport exits are getting some strange looks. Something think they look like a science fiction intergalactic time machine. I was expecting to get transported somewhere like on Star Trek. I thought, yeah, we finally got there. Others were wondering if it was an x-ray chamber or might fill up with dollar bills, like on a game show. Yeah, it was odd. I'm like, where'd they come up with this? I'm not sure what it is. Doors will open and close automatically. The voice giving instructions is futuristic, but the new exit portals are just part of the Syracuse Airport's $60 million renovation. To keep well, the passenger area secure, passengers right, so leaving fine. enter the portal, wait for one door to close, and then the other one opens. The portal is one way. If anyone tries to get back into the secure area, the door automatically locks. We need to be vigilant and maintain high security protocol at all times. These portals were designed and approved by TSA, which is important. Oh. Syracuse oh, is one of the first airports in the country to have the new portals. Previously, the exit was monitored by police or security guards. Syracuse's airport commissioner says the new portals should also save money in the long term. The more cost-effective we can become, the more attractive we are when the airlines are looking at new markets or increasing service. The exit portals can hold up to six people at a time, although that's a little too close for comfort for a lot of travelers. Uh -huh. I don't know. I felt like um, I needed to go in alone. <laughs> Syracuse may be the first airport in New York State to have the new exit portals, but the airport commissioner says they will likely be showing up at airports around the country very soon. For now, reporting from Hancock Airport, I'm Alex Dunbar. Hold on, everybody. Wait for it. I haven't played in a while. Wait for it. That's right, everybody. Cheer for your slavery. What an absolute joke. What a joke. I mean, is this really, really necessary? No, somebody probably got a big government contract out of this, and it was somebody in Washington that had a mini corporation. Kind of like I was reading about how the um, there was a gentleman, I think it's in the state of Florida, that says he wants to uh, he wants to drug test everybody on welfare and everything and and it just so happens that he owns one of the largest drug testing companies in the entire state. So that's how they do it everybody. They think that you're so dumb that you can't even read and you can't do any research and you don't understand what a tyranny looks like. You don't understand what you know you don't understand that people like goon squads putting their hands on your junk is um that's perfectly perfectly sane. There's a reason that that tourism is down, everybody. It's not because we don't have a lot of beautiful sights to see. It's because people don't want to come from other countries and be groped or be put through a naked body scanner or to be just you know, henpecked as they walk through the line. This is absolutely ridiculous. Now, is it something that we can change? Absolutely we can change it, but we have to push back. You can't just lay down and take it. Just because it's incremental doesn't mean that it's okay. I mean… It's very, very sad to see a nation that was so prominent and so powerful and so independent become a bunch of little just chicken-necked 
creatures. We're so afraid of everything. We get hit with one terrorist attack that was skeptical at best if it was even a terrorist attack from an outside group. I mean, almost everybody was from Saudi Arabia, but heaven forbid you go look at the evidence of 9-11. Let's just believe the official narrative. And what's amazing is that more and more people are starting to question the official narrative of 9-11. Now, that being said, guess what's coming up on my show on Thursday? Thursday I will do a show dedicated to John F. Kennedy and the proof that Oswald did not act alone. No, it's not my own little proof. It just happened to come out in these congressional hearings that it is actually impossible for Oswald to be the lone gunman. But I digress. I need to have a whole show just dedicated to conspiracies again. I had, I, I mean, it always ends up being my most downloaded podcast. When I talk about the real power structure, when I talk about the um, the black sites, when I talk about the billions of dollars that get funneled into alternate energy sources through government contracts, when you talk about um, the shadow government and all its prongs and how it manipulates society and gets you to play one off one another against each other through your Fox News and your controlled paradigm with the left and the right, all of that stuff, all of it. But once again, I digress. Hey, let's go talk about, speaking of controlled paradigm, New York City to ban tobacco sales to anyone under 21. God, you know what? That will stop everything. You know, why don't we just ban anything that's bad for you? We'll just make it illegal. We'll just say that um, the caffeine's banned and, and um, you know, meats, you know, red meat's banned and, and um, I, I don't know, just pick something. Pick something that ooh, sugar, sugar's bad. It's actually one of the the worst um, you know agents and that you could ever get addicted to. But you know whatever, that, that's okay. You know, ban big gulps because people can't buy more than one big gulp. So, oh, and um, in other news, uh, I'll get into that here in a second. Let's go ahead and dive into this article, and I'll read a few minutes of it here. City health officials hope that raising the legal purchase age from oh, it's not happened yet. Excuse me, I am sorry. Hasn't passed yet. Nobody freak out. Still can get your, you know, your your carcinogens. It's okay. City health officials hope that raising the legal purchase age from 18 to 21 will lead to a big decline in smoking rates in teenagers. I'm going to read that again. City health officials hope that raising the legal purchase age from 18 to 21 will lead to a big decline in smoking rates in teenagers. Let me ask you a question out there, everybody, using grammar, logic, and rhetoric. On what planet will this work? On what planet will people stop smoking cigarettes just because you have to be 21? Because Lord knows that no kid in college under the age of 21 ever drinks alcohol. That never happens. Wow, it's a good thing that Mayor Bloomberg's here to save us. Okay, so it goes on to say... New York City Mayor Mayor Bloom, Michael Bloomberg planned to sign a landmark legislation banning the sale of tobacco products to anybody under the age of 21, making the Big Apple the largest city or state in the county to prohibit the sales to young adults. City health officials – you know, this is so crazy. You can go off and get blown up by an IED in Afghanistan to fight wars for the bankers so you can control opium production and lithium production, but you can't smoke a damn cigarette. Cheers to you. Hey, way to be awake, everybody. Way, way to think critically. 
City health officials hope that by raising the legal purchase age from 18 to 21 will lead to a big decline in smoking rates in the critical age group. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I'm sure Big Tobacco is really excited about this. The majority of smokers get addicted to ages to cigarettes before age 21 and then have trouble quitting even if they want to. Or they could just smoke vaporizers and, you know, reduce their health risk by like 95%. But that's that would be using logic again. The ban has limitations in terms of the ability to stop young people from picking up their deadly habit, you know, but go take all your Percocets and take all your hallucinogens and psychotropics. Those are perfectly fine because big pharma tells you they're fine. Teenagers can still possess tobacco legally. Oh, thank God. Kids will still be able to at least steal cigarettes from their parents. Yeah, bum them from friends or buy them on the black market dealers. It's probably going to be the newest thing for people to go on the Silk Road and use Bitcoin to buy cigarettes in New York. What a joke this is. This is not, I can't believe this is really happening. Um, but City Com- Commissioner Thomas Fairley said the idea is to make more of it inconvenient for young people to get started because they care about you. They care about you. Take extra shots. They care about you, especially young teens who have previously had easy access to cigarettes through slightly older peers. And it says, in quote, right now, an 18-year-old can buy for a 16-year-old, he said. Once the law takes effect in 180 days, Fairley said, that 16-year-old would have to find someone in college or out in the workplace. Oh, wow. So there you go. There you, I, I'm not even going to read the rest of this. This is so ridiculous. What? I'm serious. What planet am I on? Is this America? I, I could have sworn that this country was America and we didn't have people just making laws every day. Hey, this is a free country, though. It's absolutely, totally free country. You can sell one of the most deadly drugs on the planet to everybody in the world at the age of 21 but something that's been proven to help reduce the effects of cancer and even chemotherapy is still illegal in the majority of states. It just absolutely baffles my mind. And it's not that I you know, fantasize about marijuana or anything like that. It's just the whole way that that product was demonized and was made illegal and is, is one of the greatest textiles in the entire world, and it's banned in America, the country that helped uh, – it helped build the country, people. I mean the Constitution is written on hemp paper. I mean this is so, so ridiculous. So anyway, I'm, I'm done with that article. Moving on now. Oh, now this is my favorite one. The woman that was touted out as the, as the poster child for being able to sign up – on Obamacare as a success story, now she says she can't afford it. It says Jessica Sanford cited by the President Obama as a success story uh, at the health care event said that she here from the White House and the Rose Garden and says that she cannot actually afford the health care plans because they are too expensive. But you know what? That's what government does. If you read books like The Creature from Jekyll Island or if you read um, – what is the other one that I, um, that I actually read that was really, was really succinct? Um, Dishonest Money talks about how most of the time the, um, 
most of the time when governments take over any kind of entity, whether it's GM or whether it's Amtrak or anything like that, that they usually will rack the prices up and then mismanage it completely and create a gigantic deficit. But once again, I digress. Here it says, Jessica Sanford was cited by the president of the Obamacare success story as the event here at the White House in the Rose Garden on October 21st. That, of course, being just last month, the 48-year-old single mom from Washington State purchased what she considered to be affordable care, a life-changing event, she said, on the Washington State Health Exchange. She decided she was so excited about the news, she wanted to write an email to the president to tell her how it changed her life, and she was so thankful for the Affordable Care Act, which it's not called anymore. It's called Obamacare because it's not affordable. It was written by the big insurance companies, which are, once again, owned by the big banks, which I don't mean to harp on it, everybody, but they are um, kind of a big deal, kind of the reason we're in the situation that we're in. But you know what? Inflation's fine. Everything's fine. The new Fed chairman's going to print money until um, until oblivion. So, oh, that being said, everybody forgot that um, this Friday, uh, if you're in the Atlanta area and you would like to um, take part in a rally uh, against the private, once again, private Federal Reserve, the banking group that actually loans your government money at interest that you pay for, and Reagan said that. All of your tax dollars, your income tax, all of it goes to just paying the interest on the debt to the bankers. So if you would like to be involved in a course of, um, let's see, enlightening people and protesting the private Federal Reserve, we will be down in downtown Atlanta in front of the Federal Reserve building uh, starting at 4 o'clock, and we will be rocking until about 7 o'clock. So all of you people in Atlanta that get stuck in traffic, you will have to listen to me on the bullhorn give you nothing but straight facts about the Federal Reserve System and about how in 100 years it has destroyed the purchasing power of your dollar by about 95% just to be conservative. So anyway, back to the uh, article. The president included her email and his remarks to the people at the event, and here's a little bit of what the president had to say, and it quotes, After receiving this letter from a woman named Jessica Silver in Washington State, here's what she said. I'm a single mom with no child support and self-employed, and I don't have any insurance for 15 years because it's too expensive. I was crying the other day because it was so limited, but... <clears throat> but Days just realized three days after she mentioned – or after she was mentioned by the president – Jessica Stanford stated she was having problems. She was receiving letters from the Washington State Health Exchange. The first letter said that the tax credit was reduced, therefore increasing the cost of her health care in the plan. Take a look at this. She received a letter just last week telling her that her tax credit has been taken away altogether. Oh, are you telling me that – are you telling me that the government's going to screw you? No. Oh, remember Obama said that people out there that say that the government's the bane of your existence, well, they're just conspiracy theorists. And it says, show you another document here showing the, the credit tax rolled out. Zero dollars, according to this document that was approved, that, that has been provided to us by Jessica Stanford. She describes all of this roller coaster ride, and now she says she can't afford the insurance in Washington state because of the new developments. And Stanford tells the CNN reporter, it is a huge disappointment, especially since I had, you know, my story shared with the president. I feel like, you know, I was felt 
I, I just felt really embarrassed that, you know, he quoted my story, and I'm just reading verbatim, so this is not me, quoted my story, and then came to find out that the Washington Health Plan Finder, the website here in our state, had grossly miscalculated <laughs> and is having a problem figuring out their tax credits. And at least for now, I don't have any health insurance. But you know what? Hey, just give him more power and he'll fix it, girl. Everything's fine. If we give Obama total dictatorial power, then we will fix it. And once again, it is not that I fantasize over Obama being this complete flop or anything like that. But it just shows you the level of absolute, utter trust and the disease that plagues the United States called statism. It is the belief that government can do things that the free market cannot do, and that is just untrue. Are there things that the government can do? Uh, maybe. I would say that government could get together and maybe provide for a common defense, promote the general welfare. Oh, wait, that's a that's a um, extremist document. I'm just you know quoting right there. But um, think about it like this, everyone. After all of this fun time that we've had with President Obama, and he is probably the most reclusive president I've ever seen. You know, all he does is play golf, and not to say that you know. And skull and Bones, George Herbert Walker Bush and, and George W. Bush didn't go play golf and stuff like that. But, you know, it really does come down to a point where when are the people going to wake up to the con? And unfortunately, they're so deep into the con now that I don't think that they'll ever come out of it. You know, I, I really don't, and it's really sad. You know, and so now shifting gears off of the um, off of the Obamas and off of the uh, the sheep out there that really they really do believe. I just really really want to. God, it just feel real good if Obama would do something good. I don't know what he's doing. Um, he is there by Wall Street to promote Wall Street's agenda, not to promote the human agenda. Everybody which is what I try to promote, the human agenda, having intellectual debates, having conversations with people, talking to people about fluoride in the water, talking to people about, hey, you know, some of these vaccines are actually pretty dangerous. Not to say that there's not some vaccine technology that I agree with, because I do, but I'm just saying if the insert tells you that it can kill you or give you Guillain-Barre, you might want to think about it before you take it and say, is this flu shot, is, is getting the flu bad, or should I get a shot that might give me Guillain-Barre and probably might kill me? I don't know. That's up to you. And oh, by the way, the numbers of the 30,000 people that die every year from the flu, very, 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 very skewed. Most of those times are infants or elderly people that have already have major medical complications. But I digress. So here is an article from Before It's News, and once again, trust but verify. Um, this is just a fun read for me. And it says, Houston anthropologist reveals irrefutable proof that, that recorded history is wrong. What? No. 
Are you telling me that they suppressed technologies that the ancients used to use to build pyramids using frequency and tuning? Oh, mm-mm. No, the guy that built Coral Castle all by himself in Florida said that if you could understand frequency and energy, then you could build this yourself. And he puts the tools that he used to build the absolute structure, which is incredible. He puts the tools there for everybody to look at and says, figure it out. Come on, people. Figure it out. I did it. I figured it out. Anyway. Moving on, this has been an uh, interesting show for me, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. And once again, thank you for listening in and um, share the message and share the word that we all need to have higher conversations than just um, Republican-Democrat. So anyway, it goes on to say, Houston anthropologist, and I'm going to butcher his name, so I'll call him Dr. Samir, founded the Bosnian Architectural Park, the most active archaeological site in the world declares that irrefutable scientific evidence exists and ancient civilizations with advanced technology leaves us no choice but to change our recorded history. It says an examination of the age of the structures um excuse me, I um yeah, an examination of the age of the structures across the earth reveals conclusively that they were built by advanced civilizations more than twenty nine thousand years ago. And it says um Acknowledging that we are witness to a fundamental proof that advanced civilizations dating back over 29,000 years ago and the, ex- excuse me, and the examination of their um, societal structures forces the world to reconsider its understanding of the development of the civilization and its history. Conclusive data of the Bosnian Pyramid site revealed in 2008 and confirmed this year that by several independent labs who conducted these radiocarbon um, test datings said that the site was 29,400 years old, plus or minus 400 years. And it goes on to say, the ancient people who built these pyramids knew secrets about frequency and energy, you think? And they use these natural resources to develop technologies to undertake construction on scales that we have never witnessed on Earth. Evidence clearly shows that the pyramids were built and the ancient energy machines aligned with the Earth's energy grid, also called ley lines for those of you that um, that don't follow this nerdy stuff like I do, um, providing that the Earth for healing as well as for power. And if you guys listen to the, uh, I think it's podcast number 15, where I played the Eric Dollard clips, where he talks about the um, the different frequencies that come from the earth and all of those good things. I actually have that clip here. Let's see if I can play it before the uh, time runs out. We're running up against it here. Let me see if I can find a good one. Um, here is one that will take us right up, to, um, right up to the end of the show, but... Um, I'm going to post all of these articles on the website this evening. I will also post a couple of different books that I'm reading so that you guys can follow along with my enlightening process. They're all uh, PDFs of globalist publications, and they're very fascinating reads. Don't read it from a slant. Just read it as archaeological and an and um, interesting study of uh, anthropology, and you'll get a lot more out of it than you will if you just read a slant, read it with a with a closed mind. It's very, very fascinating stuff. So here is the Eric Dollard clip, and then after that, we are going to end the podcast. Once again, thanks, everybody, for listening in live. Here we go. So, Because that's the ground terminal into the earth. It was selected for that by Marconi. 
that's the Indians call it the hole in the sky. They went Good there choice. and electrified them, and then they ran away from it. Good they wouldn't choice. live You're there. Talking about ley lines and energy fields. Yeah, it's it's a it's a uh, it's kind of like a ley line runs through there. The whole geology around there concentrates on this spot. It's like all the trees are lined up with it, and everything focuses on where that building sits. So according to the Marconi guys, there was five energy spots on the planet that were originally selected to try to build a global system, and Bolinas was one of the most important ones. Came up with something new that nobody, not Alex Anderson or Tesla, had ever come up with. I raised it to the next level. I was able to make it broadband. It was it was a, a general laboratory and, and facility in, in antenna type communications of all different forms, all different frequencies, from microwaves all the way down to, to audio. The whole idea was, was was to have the broadest, most generalized receiving capability possible. In other words, the ultimate receiver. Two days before they happened, it, it worked twice for two earthquakes. North Ridge and Landers. I got the same thing from Japan two days before the giant Japan earthquake. Yeah, I picked it all the way up in Landers. One hour before the first earthquake, and uh, two, that was about two days before the main event. Because it, it would go off uh, 18 hours before a major earthquake. All right, everybody, that's going to do it. Um, for those of you that want more info on that, check out the, um, the podcast I did on uh, Eric Dollard and the energy source and suppressed uh, free energy technology. That's it for the show, everybody. Remember, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. And also, if you are interested in protesting the private Federal Reserve, there are boards all over Facebook. Find a local chapter that you can find and uh, go out there and protest these jokers, and let's get it done.